I struggled a little bit with this work-life balance thing coming from the defense firm life where we worked all the time. Uh, the, the story that I tell from my prior managing partner that he said when he really gained a lot of respect for me was when, <coughs> sorry, was when I gave birth to my daughter. She was uh, born at 25 weeks, which is extremely premature. She only weighed one pound. She was in the hospital for uh, just under four months. And during that time period, I was still billing 200 hours a month, which is 50 hours <laughs> That's a week. That's insane. <laughs> 50 hours a week I was billing. And so, you know, that was how you earned respect there was by working harder and longer hours than everybody else. And so to come and start my own firm where everybody was clocking out and gone at five o'clock was a little bit of an adjustment for me, a lot of an adjustment because my mind wanted to start telling me they're not working hard enough. They're not here long enough. They're not doing enough. And, and like my old boss used to say, this isn't a bank. We don't work bank hours. And, and they also used to tell me the reward for good work is more work. And so that's, that's the mindset that I had. And now I had to ask myself, what is the culture that I want to create in my firm? And so I asked myself these questions. I said, well, is the work being done? Is the work being done well? Is the business profitable? are the employees happy? And the answer to all those questions was yes. And so if we're profitable, the, the work's being done, the customers are happy and everything is going well, then what is the reason to impose extra hours on them? It really is just to, just that sense of feeling like everybody's working hard. It's really all, it, it, it wasn't, the job was being done well without that. So I came to terms with, all right, I'm going to work on my own thought process, push those thoughts away and focus on the fact the work's being done, it's being done well, our clients are happy. And if we can do that, working 40 hours a week as a staff, then so be it. And they're probably going to be more productive and get things done with a smile more if they aren't stretched so thin or working that many hours. I know something that I offer, um, and this is just because of the type of work that I do, flexible hours. Like, I really don't care if they work at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or if they work at 3 a.m. in the morning. The most important thing to me are that the deadlines are met. You know, we have certain deadlines where everything has to be, you know, completed and reviewed by the client. So as long as those deadlines are met, that is something that's fine for me. But I, I understand that that's not standard, especially if you run a business that, you know, is strictly nine to five dealing with the public. Yeah, but that at the end of the day, that mentality is right. If the work is done, then that's what's most important. Absolutely. And, you know, with those deadlines being done, um, you know, making sure that they have a manageable workload is something that's really important for satisfaction. Um, if you try to put too much on them or, um, you know, stretch them farther than they're able to go, um, they're going to start 
thinking about, you know, well, can I find somewhere where I will be a little bit more happy? And a lot of times your, your employees or your team won't tell you that they're unhappy until it's too late. Feeling like you're doing a good job is important. You want to feel like you're good at your job. And if the workload is so intense, that you're not able to do a good job because there's just more work than can be done in the time period you're permitted to work, then you're not going to be satisfied there because you're not going to be, you're not going to feel like you're doing your best work. And this is really common for law firms that the staff and the attorneys are just overwhelmed with very high caseloads. And I never fully understood that because it's just setting them up for failure. It's setting them up to miss deadlines. It's setting them up for clients to be unhappy. And, and, and I, I suppose the reason they do it is because they think that it's going to make the profit margins higher, but at what cost at the cost of potentially losing business because your customers aren't happy losing staff because they're overwhelmed and they can't keep up losing cases, losing cases, exactly. Losing referrals from other businesses because they, they know that you can't keep up. In fact, a lot of people who have referred me business have said to me, I was using so-and-so law firm, but they've just gotten too busy that they can't keep up with the cases anymore. So I'm looking for someone else to take on those cases. And if they had been hiring to fill those voids and not overwhelming the staff, the person referring the case would never feel like they had too much. Right. Because everything would still be moving smoothly. So for me, if anyone wants to know the key to a successful business, probably above anything else is making sure your staff have a manageable workload. Now that doesn't mean that the person who you give five tasks to who says I'm overwhelmed, I can't handle it. Like there is a balance there. I'm not saying that to just cater to people who can't keep up with what's reasonable, but you should have a sense of what's a reasonable workload based on what the other people can handle and based on what you can handle. And so you should have an idea of what's a reasonable amount of work to give them. And if they can't keep up with that reasonable amount of work, then they're probably not a good fit for your business. Um, and, but to give them more than what's reasonable is where people start to feel like they're failing, feel like they can't do their best work. And when they start to look for other job opportunities. Absolutely. And making sure that you're matching a personality with a role. This is so important because there's nothing worse than putting someone who is very introverted into like a very outgoing extroverted role. That person is not going to be happy. That person may, I mean, may be able to adapt, but in most situations, you really want to look at what the person is good at and see, you know, is this going to be a good fit? I know for me, when I am looking to have people come on board, I am looking at you know, what their skills are um, and what they enjoy doing. You know, my copywriter, she loves writing. So, you know, I'm going to use somebody that loves writing um, opposed to someone else who, you know, may only truly like graphic arts. So assessing what their personality 
style is up front and then matching them with a role where they can be successful is also key to employee retention because they'll feel like they're doing their best job because they're using their strengths. Yes. Also, micromanaging is not a good thing to do if you want to keep your employees happy, but it can be hard to avoid doing, especially if you have newer people who aren't yet doing things the way you want them to be done. Um, a, a good example of this is when I was uh, an associate attorney at the large law firm that I keep referring to for that was there for nine years. Um, when I was there, there was a supervising attorney who oversaw one of my friends. And I remember going into his office and he just had this defeated look on his face. And on his desk was a report he had written and he had turned it into a supervisor. And I, I looked at it even just for just a second and I could see that there was red handwriting all over this piece of paper. I mean, just everywhere. It was is as if she had changed every word on the paper practically. And I said, wow, you know, sorry, that's going to take you a lot of time to revise that. And he said to me, this is my fourth revision. Yeah, that's not encouraging at all. <laughs> and as a billing attorney, that's like a nightmare because you can only bill, let's say an hour for that report. So if you have to revise it four different times and it takes you an hour to revise it each time, now you're spending four hours on something you can only bill one hour for. So it has a whole trickle down effect on your job satisfaction because now you've got to find a way to make up those lost hours through billing other tasks. So. That was an example to me of micromanagement where every every word had to be perfect. And in reality, it was being sent to an insurance company who was probably gonna stick it in a file and maybe gloss over it within right. like 10 seconds. You know, I mean, it wasn't the Declaration of Independence <laughs> type, of a, type of a report. And so my heart went out to him that he had to deal with that type of micromanagement in that situation. I will say he probably became a much better writer as a result of it, but at the same time, um, he really struggled to find satisfaction in a job where he felt like he was failing all the time because he wasn't doing things the way she wanted them to be done. So being a micromanager is something I think we all have to fight as business owners because we want everything to be done well within our business, but um, a good or what I think is a good philosophy, this is how my parents raised me, was you have unlimited freedom until you abuse it. And so I try to give my employees freedom to, to we have systems and policies and procedures, but within those systems and policies and procedures, they have freedom on what they wanna do first, what they wanna do next, how they wanna write things. You know, they, they, have, they have freedoms on how they go about their day-to-day -day tasks and if there's mistakes being made, if deadlines aren't being met, then that's when I come in to start to try to fix things and, and manage them in a more hands-on approach. Aside from that, if things are being, if the work's being done and it's being done well and timely, then I'm going to give them as much freedom as I can. Yeah. Don't 
be breathing down their neck because that there is nothing worse than feeling as an employee that every single move that you make is being critiqued and viewed with, you know, a, a lens of a glass that's half empty. Um, you know, so give your employee your employees some freedom. Um, cheer them on. If they need a little bit of guidance, then come in and give them some guidance. But you'd be surprised if you give them a little bit of independence and space just at what they're able to do um, by having that freedom, that creativity. You know we're all about that case, about that case, no trouble. All about that case, about that case, no trouble. All about that case, about that case, no trouble. All about that case, about that case. At Volts Legal, we are all about your case. Text or call to schedule a free consultation for all your legal needs. VoltsLegal.com. thing is in terms of satisfaction talking to your employees respectfully a little bit of respect can go a long way um, if you are you know and, and even sometimes just being level-headed with them um, I know when I was a teacher I had a supervisor who I think she was a little mentally ill but I had a supervisor who one would one minute tell me you did a great job with this i loved the email i loved you know how you handled working with that student and then literally like the next hour come in and say don't ever do what you did before or what whatever you just did um that is not acceptable and it got to the point where i didn't know which supervisor I was going to have, if I was going to have the nice one, or if I was going to have the one who was just very negative all the time. So be respectful um, and make sure that you're being practical as well. Something to keep in mind when you're talking to your staff is just adding a please or a little smile emoji can go a long way. And also in high stress environments, and this is something that I struggle with a lot, if I think that a mistake has been made, my immediate, my immediate go-to response is frustration and um, questioning. And so it is a constant a struggle for me to or, or constant I have to constantly be in control of my thoughts and my actions to make sure that I'm talking respect respectfully to people and one of the ways that I do that is reminding myself that anything that I say to them has a greater impact than what it does on me I may say something negative or, or disrespectful and I'm gonna forget about it and move on in five minutes but that person who received it is probably going to think about it for the rest of that day. It's gonna certainly consume their thoughts and make them less productive at work. It's going to probably go home with them. They're gonna probably think about it all the way until they go to sleep. They may even dream about it, wake up not wanting to come to work because they're still being bothered by it. And it may linger with them for days on end because of a comment that you made and forgot about right after making it. And so I try to be aware that as a business owner, 
the things you say to your staff carries a lot of weight in their minds. And so taking that extra step to try to be respectful is worthwhile. You, you really don't want people harboring on the things that you've said to make them less productive and make them be troubled by it at night. Most of the time, if it's because of a mistake, they're already being hard on themselves because they made a mistake. They already feel terrible about having made that mistake. So for you to make it that much worse, it just makes their process of getting over it that much more difficult. And a lot of times as a business owner, we can get so caught up in like the day-to-day processes and the tasks at hand that we don't even necessarily realize that when we're telling Sally to do something that we're being rude, you know? So just taking the time to think about, um, you know, what is the best way to communicate? with this person, you know, is it by just a simple please, or if it's by, you know, just saying good morning, um, instead of just getting right down to the chase, you know, I need you to do X, Y, and Z, you know, so spend some time really nurturing and cultivating that relationship so that you can have a bond with your employees. That's truly unbreakable. And things get misinterpreted and misconstrued many times when it's in writing through an email or a message or text or whatever. So be aware of that. You kind of have to be a little bit more flowery in those type of communications than you would if you were talking verbally, because there's no tone of voice or no body language to interpret. And so they can be really misunderstood. And I know that's happened to me many times. I've had people tell me before your emails you know, seem kind of snippy. And it's just because I'm just like, Hey, can you do this? Like, it's, I I just, I got to get it sent out and move on to the next thing. And I'm not intending it to be that way, but it does come across that way sometimes. So, um, just learn from my mistakes and try to, um, be a little bit more, uh, considerate when sending things in written format. So these are the things that we've outlined, um, not only through our research, but also our experience that helps to build a strong, um, strong relationship with your employees. So we want to hear from you what has worked and maybe what hasn't. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Isaiah 41:10. We appreciate you and are honored to be on this journey with you. We can't wait to help you, to encourage you, and show you how to grow personally, professionally, and spiritually. If you found Miss Biz helpful, please leave a review and share with others. You can follow us on social media at Miss Biz Podcast. For legal questions or services, please visit boltslegal.com. And for digital marketing needs, please visit boltsmedia.com. Let's get biz done. Thank you.